1: Hello, everyone. Today's prestige film was uh, was picked by a select jury of your executive producer peers in the Club Bald Move Club. Uh, it's 2000's The Perfect Storm. It's directed by Wolfgang Peterson, director of Das Boot, Never Story, Enemy Mine, Outbreak, Air Force One. It's a lot of a lot of uh, classic bangers in there from my personal collection. Uh, screenplay by William D. Whitliffe, who's primarily known for his Western work. He wrote the miniseries Lonesome Dove, also Legends of the Fall. Based on the novel A Perfect Storm by journalist Sebastian Younger, uh, which chronicles the uh, this the, the surprise storm that uh, cost the life of several several fishermen and at least one Coast Guard personnel. It stars George Clooney. We knew George Clooney. Mm-hmm. He's got his start on E.R., And I've loved him ever since. Mark Wahlberg. We all know Marky Mark. Love him less. John C. John C. Riley, you know, noted funny man. Mm -hmm. We've seen him collaborate with uh, Will Ferrell a bunch. He was in uh, was a Dirk Diggler movie. Boogie Boogie Nights. Nights. Yeah. With Mark Wahlberg. William Fitchner, who plays just a bunch of weird, shifty, tough guys. Mm hmm. Armageddon Uh, made a career out of it. Um, let's see who else is in this uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio right from Abyss and she's from the Abyss and uh, wasn't she in First Night maybe could, could be no 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 she was made marrying into Kevin Costner Robin Hood right that's right Karen Allen of course she's marrying Ravenwood from the Indiana Jones, uh, Bob Gunton uh, shows up in this as a smarmy yacht owner. He's the uh, I, I know him mostly for as the uh, warden from Shawshank Redemption. Ah. Shooter McGavin shows up from Happy Gilmore. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of lot of famous people in this movie. Uh, this is <laughs> which a quintessential- we won't actually use his
0: real name. So we, everybody else gets the real name. Shooter McGavin <laughs> is what he is forever going to be at least christopher uh, mcdonald yes christopher mcdonald it, uh, i mean he's in my notes as shooter the entire time that's just, that's ubiquitous
1: right for people our age like who grew yeah. up with
0: the happy gilmore like you can't not see yeah. shooter when you yeah see he's guy. the
1: first officer of yesterday's enterprise if you're a <laughs> sure. trekkie he's the are. game he's show gavin for everybody else from requiem
0: for a dream oh jesus you're right yeah, he's in a lot of
1: stuff, but he's always shooter to me. Uh, he plays a meteorologist, just admiring the perfect storm in this movie. Uh, this is your quintessential man versus nature. Uh, guys laying it on the line for fish for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a weird like I I, I I I thought a lot of weird thoughts about tradition and you know, fishermen is a tradition that goes back hundreds thousands of years, but like. Do you, would you feel any kinship from a fisherman from from 200 years ago compared to like what yeah. they're doing now? Uh, it's kind of wild. I I, I really like this movie. Um, I saw this movie when it first came out in the theater. I was a big fan of George Clooney. Like ER was literally my first adult television show. Uh, you know I'd liked Star I'd like Star Trek and I'd like uh you know science fiction shows before. Um, but this is the first one. It's like, you know, was just 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 a just a drama, just a regular old drama with some good mm-hmm. acting, some good writing. And I thought George Clooney was amazing. And I kind of followed his his career from the beginning. Uh, you know, it's no secret that I like stuff about Salty Dogs yep. out on the rolling Maine. Um, I, th- this this movie checks out, even though I, I I'm aware of it schmaltz. I'm aware of uh, its naked attempts to manipulate my emotions. Um, there's some hackneyed stuff in here, but I think also the special effects really hold up. And this is a terrifying film of what it's like to be in the clutches of a treacherous sea. Uh, I've seen this a bunch and I think it, I think it holds up hmm. Jim. What do you think? This is my first time ever seeing this
0: movie. Shockingly. Uh, I don't know how I missed it. Cause I was all about those. Uh, disaster movies of the era, mm. and this was like a big one. This is one that was, uh, str- it w- was talked about a lot during the time. Mm-hmm. I just missed it. Uh, but yes, I-, I agree with you. I think the effects are still amazing to this day. And I, I, I was so impressed by it. I went. And I did a whole bunch of research on how ILM put this all together, and maybe we can talk about that here in a bit. But it- it's really cool, actually. Um. And I felt like the the, the, you know, stuff you're calling like schmaltzy and tugging at the heartstrings, I expected more of it. Uh, Honestly, I I very rarely in this movie found myself stirred to any kind of emotion other than the the gravity esque tension uh, and terror Mm. that was building up and the the, the harrowing tale. Right. I, I wasn't feeling for these characters. Maybe it's. Maybe it's just a lack of of the movie's characterization there, but normally in these movies I feel more for the characters. Here I just felt like <laughs> I, I don't know they didn't quite get me the way that some other movies have. Yeah, the characters kind of thin, and um, I don't like some of them. Like, archetypal. I don't, yeah. I don't like Mark Wahlberg as an actor. I, th- I think he's mm. mediocre to bad. Like his best performances right. are okay. And in this movie, they really try and lean on him
1: in some Uh crucial moments, and it does not work. I feel like he's this kind of guy, though. And and like all these, uh, everyone in this film has very messy lives. You know, they're from these tough, like, working class, hard-drinking, hard-working families. There's, you know, nobody has the perfect family. Uh, The perfect perfect girlfriend is the one that's going to Punch your ass out. Uh, You're gonna get blackout (laughs) drunk all the time. It's like there's this. Yeah, it's it's hard to get in. But like, I I still think like there's a couple things that really get me in this movie. You know, like John C. Riley, very thinly written. You know father who's you know lost his wife and a divorce and he's trying to do right by his son but he's also a fisherman and that we, worked the best for me catch. that one I yeah and yeah. there's a moment at the end of the film where it's like I got some genuine emotion where it's like it's just matter of fact of the, yes. the assessment of what's going on Um, and John C. Wright I think is also pretty incredible when he wants to be Uh uh-huh. Um, I agree
0: and I'll say the best thing this movie does is make me feel like I am I'm in that world I, I think like I've seen so much Deadliest Catch that this Uh struck me as extremely genuine because all that's like documentary stuff, right? Like, sure, Mm -hmm. you can fake like how much fish they catch or like the drama between crew members, but I felt like these people were very real versions. The characters themselves, uh yeah. Of the real people that I've seen in
1: Deadliest Catch. So that they nailed yeah, I think this all predates Deadliest Catch. Uh-huh. It's not like it was like riding a wave or anything. If anything, it may be the, the exact opposite. But yeah, yeah I, I think uh, these did feel, um, even though you don't get to know them very well, they just feel like archetypal enough. And and, and you, like, yeah, I could say it better myself. The the whole Deadliest Catch I kept on thinking about. Yep. Uh, and there's some things where it's like a little wild, like the shark. I, I don't. Are, are sharks on the decks of fishing bo- <laughs> boats that big a problem i kept on thinking like they're just they can't be that big of a problem right like once once a shark gets sure. on on land like you know it's 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 kind of like getting a human out in the in the space like there there's not mm-hmm. much fight going to be going to be put up here right Totally. But i don't know maybe if the decks that a wash uh the the sharks do get out of hand um yeah and it works out but yeah i i do think some of this
0: is is i mean obviously some of this is dramatized right um and yes. heightened for for the movie because we don't know what uh went on exactly yeah. so they have to make a yeah. lot of stuff up
1: yeah all these men's last minutes are a complete mystery um and this is, you know, just sheer speculation about what's what's going on. But there's a lot of stuff, you know, like uh I, I was also I, I know this is not the main thrust of the movie, but I was really moved at the heroism of like the Coast Guardians. Yes. The men and women, these like just just brave men and women on these incredibly fucking tough boats uh-huh. and helicopters that can fly in the fucking hurricanes <laughs> and rescue people. How they, insane. They, willingly jump i mean i've heard this about para rescue jumpers they just willingly jump into these insane fucking conditions like you Mm -hmm. you're never more helpless than when you are a single human being uh they they they, this movie makes this incredible the point several times but like you are just nothing on these 50 60 70 80 foot waves uh (laughs) how could you one of them breaks over you and you're never going to be seen for again and these people are like yahoo about doing this Mm -hmm. uh isn't, isn't that like the para-rescue uh, jumpers motto, so that others may live? Like, oh, that's uh, fucking metal, man. Yeah, they're so, amazing. Like, I, yeah, I, I thought those guys, uh, just that the, the heroism of that and the fact that, like, you know, it's not... Uh, I know the Coasties get it pretty rough from the other branches of the military service, but holy fuck, this is a free service they provide to anyone right, that needs it.
0: And and it's, it's something that, like... I know this is not always the case right like it's not like people decide hey we're gonna sail into a storm for profit right and then get their asses reamed by the storm and have to come have to be saved but when that does happen those people are there
1: to save them and they do it willingly that's that's yeah heroism right. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think you should endanger Coast Guard people's lives. Like, we shouldn't, you know, put profit or certainly our own pleasure cruises uh, to where we would force people to do that. But it is nice to know that when people you know get in over their head uh that that there are people there that are there that, that are willing to to go out and get them uh, regardless of whether you deserve it or not um but it seems like they are painting this uh and i think this is yeah because i did a little bit of research into it the the whole sailboat was kind of true to life in fact the guy might have been like super drunk or incapacitated yeah that part decisions. was uh the the stuff with the
0: andrea gale is not super accurate um, right but we'll get there
1: yeah, <laughs> no, I, I couldn't I, I, believe I, I that.
0: That sailboat captain, though, man, he's a, oh, Jesus.
1: The yeah. worst. he's like, I mean, he's he's not the worst seaman I've seen. That stills Robert Redford and <laughs> All Is Lost or whatever. That guy just, I think that's, I think that's properly understood to be a suicide film. Wow. But this guy's right up there. Thank God you had Marion Ravenwood on board, uh-huh. or you guys have been fucked, man. Any any less, uh, gutsy abroad, and you'd been you'd been all you'd be all dead uh yeah i i this um this film really held my attention i yeah. think it's great uh i should uh, is there any i mean if i want to be critical of it i give, aside from the thin characters i think the music is pretty paint by numbers and and james horner surprised. like oh is it james horner yeah okay yeah yeah there's a lot of like uh, you know it's, it's not even he's stealing from himself I feel like there's a lot of JFK soundtrack in here there's a mm. lot of Apollo 13 soundtrack in here there's a lot of the right stuff and it's just
0: and sometimes you know mismatched with the action there's a particular scene where George Clooney is out on the boom uh, arm of one of these ships and is in yeah. extraordinarily dangerous conditions like extreme peril and they're mm-hmm. kind of lighthearted about it, like this is a mm-hmm. fun day out for him. It's a, a high jinks, yeah, of thing. which did yeah. not work for me. But most of the time, I thought the music was fine, maybe it's a little fine. forgettable it's sometimes.
1: Uh, but yeah, like I, the the, the the water effects are just astounding. If yes. you look, there's a couple shots where I, if you look at the water and not the stuff that the camera is focused on. You can kind of see where it's sloshing against the hull of the boat. It doesn't quite kind of match up because this this movie is mm. twenty two years old. The CGI wasn't there, but they also just had a tremendous amount of real water that they subjected yeah. these poor men to, <laughs> yeah, like just yeah. water cannons and dump buckets and, and oh, that what stuff. A like, miserable shoot. When they're in a pilot house and they're trying, you know, those windows are smashed down and the crews down the bottom and there's water going down to get ga- like it looks incredibly real, mm-hmm. like as real as I think my benchmark for realistic, you know, peril on the high seas, you probably know what I'm going to say. Uh, Master and commander, I assume. Goddamn straight. There's like three just all time harrowing uh, storm crossings in that fucking movie. Uh, and they're 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 the best. They're the, the but this is right up there. And again, you know, came five six years before, maybe seven years before. Yeah, so. I mean, I'd compare this movie
0: with a movie like Gravity, um, because mm. it like once it gets to the parts where you're supposed to feel tension, it just does not let yes. go for yeah. the rest of the movie. And I'm I, I had a really hard time watching Gravity because it's like that throughout. It's basically an right. hour and a half of just horrible, harrowing. Things happening yes, to one same damn trouble, thing like. after another, yeah. And this movie feels like that, except it's just one big thing, right? It's it's, it's the a same might, and thing it's much slower over.
1: burn, right? Like it you have got is, all yeah. this human drama. Are these guys going to get the fish? Are these guys going to solve the personal swap? Uh, like yeah. all this just to it, it's it reminds me a lot of Titanic in that way, where okay yeah. you have all this petty human drama that is this going to be the backdrop of this you know crazy thing that happens to these people, and it's going to you know that's the thing. It's like I kept on this 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 movie plays a trick on me where it's like I start caring about like, oh man, I really hope John C. Riley and uh William Fitchner patch things up and I'm uh-huh. like, Oh, but of course, you know uh
0: I, I didn't know anything about the Andrea Gale going into this and I felt Me either when my I first experience was better for it.
1: Yes. I, I was going to say, I don't want to get too much into who lives, who dies, all that kind of stuff, because I yeah. think, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to deny that pleasure to people who are watching this movie for some. I'm struggling to think of things I can talk about that are not out and out spoilers, though. Um, uh, we talk about the Rotten Tomatoes
0: score. It's got a 46% okay. from critics, which I feel is about right. It might be a little low. I don't feel like this movie is rotten, but you know, if 54% of the people who saw it didn't like it, sure. We'll be right back
1: with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. Yeah, I think it's like like I said, Great, the schmaltz is undeniable. I also think that the movie is, you know, some of the attempts of humor amongst the rough-spun working-class folk, uh, especially as portrayed in year 2000, especially as this action happens in 1992. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, some of that stuff is is pretty broad. Uh, you know, uh, some of the behavior in bars and whatnot is not something to be modeled. Uh, and I, I don't know. Maybe people just have a hard time yeah, connecting. Come on. With people that are this, pri- you know, like combination of like pride, lack of other opportunities, ambition, um, and like a true sense of heritage. Sure.
0: Yeah, you like get, what it got means to, to, to be some... a
1: Gloucesterman or whatever. Like, yeah, I forget that the Gloucester man, Gloucester oh, Gloucester man. Gloucester,
0: Yeah, you, you yeah like
1: this is in your fucking DNA, and mm-hmm. it's like you know, like I was saying in the, the the intro, it's like it's not even just going back to your grandpappy. Like you might have been the Fishers for, for hundreds of years, and you mm-hmm. know, does the Mariner tradition goes back like that was one of the things i thought was interesting the way this movie opens and it just sells effortlessly like what a way of life this is like entire industries are supporting this one thing uh you've got uh all the churches you know have memorials to sailors that have been lost like all the town has like the yeah city hall has a a plaque up uh for with all the names of
0: all the people who've been lost at sea um yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a way
1: of life. It's not just a job for these people. Exactly. A deeply ingrained one at that, that like mm-hmm. um, brings these communities together because everyone knows what it's like to have your dad or your husband uh, or your mom, or your aunt out on this the boat and when a big storm's coming in or like everyone knows what it's like for when that happens and like, boy, the whole, the f- catch isn't what we wanted it to be. Um, yeah, I there the a lot the other of
0: it, there are all the scenes in this where, you know, the the people who love the crew of this boat are back at home kind of watching mm-hmm. a storm develop and they're worried about right. their loved ones. And I got very much like NASA vibes from that. Yeah. Every, every time I've seen a NASA movie where there's a, a launch and, you know, something goes slightly wrong or, or even if it
1: doesn't go wrong, people are just worried yeah. um, and they're sitting there yeah. watching the developments. It's a small insular community that goes through unique things that only kind of they Mm -hmm. can understand. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And then there's also a subtle, it's not even the text or even subtext, but like an environmental thing because like Mm -hmm. all my life, I've been told that we're overfishing the oceans and we're running out of fish, like build the – Billy Joel singing about it, um, <laughs> you know, in the late eighties ni- and early nineties. And then you've got this making it feel like how far the fishermen have to go almost the Europe to get, to make their catch quotas and all this. And you keep on hearing about like, you, you can't really fucking get cod and the, the tuna that are so much smaller than they used to be. And you know, these vast fleets that just kind of like sweep the Pacific clean, uh, And that's the other frustration. It's like, why are these guys having to kill themselves? Because we have just overfished the shit out of places. You have to go further and further out every fucking year. And these guys and these boats aren't really designed for it. Mm -hmm. And why? So we can eat not just fish, but like fancy swordfish. Uh, there's yeah, a part where I, Diane Lane is raging about like why this is happening to the men that she cares about, and she's like, you know, railing at these guys as essentially financial backer, and she's like, this is just over some stupid goddamn fish. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. This is happening. Yeah,
0: no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I had seen so much Deadliest Catch because it gave me a lot of perspective on this movie. Yeah, uh, and I think without that, I wouldn't have understood all the stuff you're talking about. You know. And the idea of, like, fishing quotas and just just what that lifestyle is like and the pressures involved,
1: because, boy, do they really go into that in Deadliest Catch. But at the end of the day, you're a goddamn sword boat captain. Uh-huh. Is there anything better? Or a crabber. I mean, that's, that's the other thing I've thought, like, the movie is, like, you know, it shows the appeal of, like, you know, these um, – any type of job, and I've I've worked jobs where you're out in the elements, and you know where it's like the the, the environment impacts the quality of your day. Mm-hmm. Like, oh god, it's rainy and foggy and cold. This day's gonna fucking suck. Or like, oh my god, look how fucking beautiful it is, and it's so pleasant. There's a nice breeze, uh, and like how much more so that is, um, you know, like like on a boat, you yeah. know, like how much how how high the highs must be on a crisp spring day with the sun shining versus like these late fall where the hurricanes are blowing, like just such a vast gulf and experience. And that's, that's gotta be kind of like a gambler's high, right? You're, you're, sure. you know, this quota sure. thing and you're pushing your luck system and your skill oh, against yeah. something as unyielding as the ocean. My God, it's gotta be super fucking addictive.
0: Yeah. And they, they kind of get, to that a little bit in this movie um they try yeah. it with the george clooney speech that i don't think works i i it didn't work on me anyway um and they do it twice in the movie once once for bit. setup and once for poignancy right. but i yeah 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 it, it didn't work for me um same with mark why speech because it, it it was
1: <sighs> yeah why not Wait. When, when did wait for first of all? When did Mark Emar give a speech in this? His voiceover. When he's treading water. Oh, yeah. okay. His voiceover the that's end is a speech. God, now. Awful. Really, this is a soliloquy. Well, this is speech. Hamlet. He's what he's doing. <laughs> he's trying, but it's not working. <laughs> His utterance. Okay, all right, but okay, uh, yeah. Uh, George Clooney gives a nice little speech about being a goddamn swordboat captain. That didn't work on you. Why not? I don't know. Maybe it was too. Maybe it was too specific. I know that's kind
0: of the point. He's like talking about how he's memorized, you know, the 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 feel of going out to sea, you know, yeah. um, and that's where he wants to, wants to be. That's his home. But I I don't know. Something about it was just not working for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's there's something very romantic. You, you said a way of life. Mm-hmm. And I think anything that you do where your whole life is consumed by it. I think of like farmers, I think of these like fishermen, yeah. uh, you know, people where like there is also there's this very clear break between what you do like you know when you're out on the ocean you're this and then when you're out on land you're this like there's like no greater separation of work yeah and life right uh which is a classic kind of mariner thing i i, uh-huh. I don't know man like i said I, I i i got the romanticism of it even though this is such a far cry from when they went out in the wooden boats and they used their little nets and they fit yeah like that's this is- crazy man i i
0: was i i did a little research into this and I, I watched an episode of sea hunters um that we'll talk about here in a bit and they showed like the old timey way this that you its, did this
1: it's got its sword swordfish hooks in you man this it, movie
0: it seems to have yeah i think it's i think it's because i like deadliest catch so much i was super interested mm. in this but uh, so, so they used to instead of like having this 40 mile long line that they hang other hooks off of Right. Over that, over the course of that 40 miles, they used to drop people in these tiny little boats over the course of 40 miles or so and just have them like hand fishing these 150 pound swordfish and loading them up into their tiny little boat with yeah. with no propulsion. Right. It's like a rowboat. Uh, right. And they'd come back and pick them up once they fished. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Can you imagine getting caught in any kind of weather in one of those little things? Yeah, when you're driving. And they didn't have the the meteorology that we have. Like, they had no fucking idea if something was coming in. It was just a dude who, like, smelled the wind and said, Yeah, I think today's a good day
1: to fish, boys. Yeah. But it was a lot easier because, like, I mean, I can't overstate how much the fisheries have collapsed off the coasts of North America. Like,. You know, back a hundred, even a 100 years ago, you had these just vast schools of cod and tuna. And, like, it just seemed like it was a never-ending resource. And I mean, we've just come a long way since the fucking Hemingways writing about the old man in the sea. This, like, personal yeah. mono a mano battle with this fish that you got to haul in and drag to the market. And uh, it's, it's just this mechanized... I don't know, everything it, it everything gets ruined, right? It's like whaling. That probably was a dangerous thing at one point in the Moby Dick days, but then you got steamships and harpoons with explosive tips and mm-hmm. it all all goes to hell. Um but yeah, like it's it's just such a mm. It's just such an it's just such a it's just such a unique way of life that I feel like is going to go away in our lifetime. Like, I don't think that we will be like, because I either the fish will completely collapse and go extinct, except Mm -hmm. for like farmed varieties or clone cultivated varieties or we will find some way to find an equilibrium though. It's no longer involving dropping 40 miles of baited hooks and just sweeping the ocean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe and the fact that you can crap out, you can throw in 40 miles of line and crap out (laughs) is kind of like that. That shows you the scope of the problem. Right. And then the scale of the ocean too. like,
0: yeah, you know, there, there could be no fish in a hundred mile zone and you throw your lines down there, your hooks down there and you're going to catch nothing, you know? And, you could go 300 miles over and have just uh, an ocean teeming with fish. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Also, the other thing that I'm really, you know, th- this movie and and other things like it impressed upon me is how physically hard on people this work is too. Um a lot of these people die very young, especially especially captains. I, it, that's the surprising thing is like. A lot of the captains die young because, A, they're sitting around most of the time, not doing a lot of the hard work uh, as they age, right? They start in the, the the on deck with the crew, like pulling up fish, but then they graduate to the captain's uh, chair. And now they're just kind of sitting around most of the day. And these people have already done the hard work and busted up their bodies. And they also have the added stress and pressure of having to catch these fish and, not, and it all kind of being on them, right? They decide where to fish. If they don't catch the fish, they could lose their job. They they could ruin the lives of the men that they've they've employed. Like a lot of pressure in that job. Um, on deadliest catch, there there is a very high profile death of one of the the captains. Um, I, I saw that another captain died at like the age of fifty. I these people don't Damn. have particularly long or good lives, so they sacrifice. Which deadliest a lot. catch
1: guy died? I, I want to say his name is Phil Harris. Oh uh, yeah. Because I, I watched the first couple it. seasons of that, um yeah, and I uh, yeah, he yeah, died yeah, in I like season he, two or three or something did uh, they
0: really, yeah, and it was a big deal on the show, obviously, so i I mean they sacrifice a lot for for the fish for the fucking fish, right oh no, to bring I that know. to our
1: table it's crazy, yeah, did you hear that uh, this is not a pro- uh connecting anything uh did you hear that like I guess they called off the crab hunt this year because like there's billions of crabs missing in the Bering Strait missing yeah like those big you know like you've seen the undersea camera where it's like just like a carpet of crabs they Uh gather there and mate like they're just gone they're not there hmm it's like it's like a huge mystery like yeah do they migrate Uh, or do they die I don't know the, the Russians swept them up while we weren't looking, took them all. <laughs> sure.
0: Russians are nah, feasting I, I, on I, crabs right I don't now.
1: know. I, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I I, 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 there's so many things I see that seem to be alarming. And then some mm-hmm. of them you look into, and it's like, you know, it's like, uh, there's been a lot of stuff about, oh, look how low the Mississippi is. And it turns out like every fucking year at this point, the Mississippi is pretty much this low. Hmm. And have, you know it's and it's like should so should I freak out about? So I'm never quite sure, and then I can't. I don't have time to research everything. But yeah, I don't you're know, maybe like maybe meat we and you're will like, never have.
0: Uh, yeah, that's pretty yeah. fucking low.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, lake <I> <laughs> right. like meat is like an actual thing to freak out about. But um, yeah. but I, it's like yeah, like okay, well, may, it's like maybe there will be no snow crab forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, Chinese buffets pack in your Friday and Saturday <laughs> nights. No I don't more. think I've ever eaten a snow crab, so I'm okay with that. But you, give you the get rid of salmon, the and I'm 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 gonna be pissed. Anyway, should we? I mean, I feel like we're we're just kind of talking about the movie in general. Should we get mm-hmm. to the spoiler section? Yeah, let's do it. All right. If you haven't seen uh, the perfect s- storm, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, it's about primarily about six guys that have recently crapped out on their fishing, and uh, their captain wants to try to get one more fishing expedition in before hurricane season closes everything up. So they hastily turn back around and go out there, go fur farther up uh, the Grand Banks up in uh, northern Alaska on the East Coast. Um, they, they go they further and further, to try to get the strike it rich. Meanwhile, in the North Atlantic, there is a confluence of three separate storms, including a dying hurricane that are going to intersect right between these guys and their path home. Uh, it's called The Perfect Storm. It's the perfect storm, the perfect conditions, uh, kind of a surprise storm. Um, and uh, it's going to it's, it's, it's the broader story is about a couple in a sailboat that's in peril, several different like an oil tanker and a shipping vessel and the Coast Guard people who are trying to save them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's it's, um, I, it's it's a really good disaster film. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. Um, it's also free to watch if you have a Hulu subscription. So if you want to check it out uh, and you got Hulu, uh, which if you, I think you got Disney plus like you, I think you also have Hulu. So that's probably a lot oh, of people. Yeah. Uh, where do we want to start on the spoiler section? Maybe right at the beginning. It's based on a true story. Uh, it's actually yeah. based on a book,
0: which is based on a true story. Right. Uh, some details were changed. But the weird thing about this is they did not change the names of the characters, the names of the people involved in the Andrea Gale incident. So there were actually some lawsuits that happened. Yeah. Uh, from some of the families of these fishermen. And they ended up losing all of them, yeah. which is shocking to me. I, I can't imagine that you could make a movie that is this necessarily fictitious. And use the real names of real people and get away with it.
1: It happens all the time, right? You know, like, how is this any different than uh, the Enigma machine or whatever? You know, like, just because yeah. that, that, the, those people died 40 years before George Clooney, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I was actually surprised that the... the I I' surprised that the families tried to sue. Because I didn't think anyone was exactly slandered. And I thought the movie the made clear that a this was... Bit-
0: because they make the conscious choice. So here's the other difference. Uh, one of the big differences between what actually most likely happened and what. Yeah. What they showed in the movie is Clooney um, makes the choice to go directly into this storm because he wants to get home with the fish that he caught before they spoil. And it, right. Essentially for money. And so that's the yeah. slanderous part is that he made this choice to drive straight into a storm he knew was going to be colossal. What actually happened is the storm kind of formed above him, like just, just right on top of him. And they, they make yeah. this point. They talk to one of... In that Sea Hunters episode I was talking about, they talk to one of the captains of the sister ship, or, or not, not sister ship, but one of the boats, the the person who's played by M- Mastriano, whatever, whatever her name oh, is. Oh, really? Okay. They talk to her and she says, yeah, he it didn't it didn't exactly like it wasn't something you could see coming um until it was right on top of you and so yeah that to me is like you're saying this guy made a choice for money that that killed everyone i, I feel like that's not
1: fair hmm. that paints him in a this certain is, light so i think that the real villain of this movie like many others is capitalism Yes. And that like saying that that George Clooney is responsible for the decision is first. First of all, if it's not real life and that sucks. Uh, but I mm-hmm. like I it's like it's I think it's weird to frame it as he chose to die because all of those men chose to make that sacrifice and take that risk because they didn't think. Sure. You know, I thought the movie portrayed it like they did not know that they were heading into the quote unquote perfect storm. They thought they're heading into some dirty weather, but they got a sturdy yeah. ship, a good crew like these are tough fucking boats like. Mm-hmm. You know, a uh, tropical storm, it can plow through no problem. Uh, maybe people get seasick, but, like, you know, it's not going to destroy the boat. Um, so it's like I and then, like, they also made it pretty clear that these guys are desperate. Like, these guys are kind of, you know, on the edge and not making it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for George Clooney, it's it's also like he's got his, like, ego and his career tied up into it. But, like, I, again, I. His identity. The, it struck me how very piratical all this stuff is Mm -hmm. because like this where the at the end of a voyage the crew gets together and everyone's paid off like I've seen this in so many different pirate films (laughs) this is very Patrick O'Brien where it's like you know after Jack takes three or four prize ships all the crews counting up the gold and how much their share is going to be and they're the first mate so they get a share to have like I can't believe this is how this like what a stupid system that relies on what's essentially luck and how much you can exploit a public resource to whether you make money or not, and mm-hmm. to shame you for like, well, you went out there and you burnt a bunch of fucking gas and you didn't catch any ships, you dumb fuck, like or catch any fish. It just, I, I thought that was just, just, just insane. So I, I love it's it. Like, is that I, I, I actually love that. To, oh, to right. me, yeah. to me, there's
0: something like super romantic about that, where you can. Uh, like I think about this as as a gamble that people are taking. Um, that look, the work is hard. the work is very hard, but the work mm-hmm. doesn't require any special skill necessarily, right? like mm-hmm. you 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 can learn this stuff. you can get on a boat, you can take your three quarter share as the rookie and you can learn this stuff um, through through hard work and a lot of grit and determination it it's it's not like, starting your own business or something where like, if you, if you try to start your own business, it is basically like just throwing your fortune into the wind and hoping that it takes you to the right place. Uh I I do feel like Uh captains can know the waters. Captains can know where fish are in previous years. Captains can know the conditions uh, of the ocean at a given time and kind of make educated guesses and take more calculated gambles. Whereas fucking starting a business is insane. And, and and I I like that frontier sort of feeling that it gives you where like you can just go out there and through hard work, make a shitload of money because fish are valuable. Yeah. Like you come back with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fish. You split it as part of your share and you like the other thing to understand about these people is a lot of times they don't have jobs in the off season, the off fishing seasons. Right. They'll fish for like nine months out of the year fishing different types of things like crabs and swordfish and whatever. Uh, tuna but then you know they take a big break because it's not fishing season and they need to make that money to sustain them through that and if they don't they're kind of screwed until the next fishing season
1: yeah I I know what you mean about the romanticism of like you know this kind of like you can just thing. make like it a, like a, you like can make your own brush. way out there yeah you know like you go out there and you yeah 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 but you can also get completely shit on and absolutely no f- fault of your own and i'm like because like we just talked put this on the pale rider uh-huh. you know like hey i had all these guys and it's like you're all working the same stream you're all helping each other out you're sharing mules and what and one guy's like look i found a nugget big as my fucking head <laughs> hey you losers this is mine like yeah maybe there should be a a share you know, kind system. Kind of like when you share your tips with the back of the house, the uh-huh. guys that wash the dishes and do because it's we all recognize it's all part. Maybe there should be like a profit sharing amongst the captains too, so that guys that just completely shit out don't get you know. But I don't know. That's 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 too close to communism. Yeah, I don't think, uh, but that's how the it is on these themselves boats. Want it. Yeah, no, it, that yeah they totally. all get they all get a share. It's very piratical. <laughs> uh huh. Totally. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, I want to talk about because like. I these are real people and I looked and I looked I, I mm-hmm. went and looked at a lot of real photos of this Captain Billy guy, Billy Tyne. Okay. I cannot find a one where he's wearing a John Deere hat. That was the very first thing I noticed in this movie. Dude the John Deere hat like, like that's the one thing about like authenticity is like these people are dressed like Midwestern yes. wealth you know upper middle class farmers. Yes. You know, they're wearing international harvester hats to wearing caterpillar Yeah, Mostrano's wearing, John wearing hats. a cat hat.
0: I'm like, what do you the fuck? F- why people would, are? why? why right? would they be
1: doing this? Why and, and would they be doing this? It's not like that? he's
0: from the Midwest and this is a leftover hat he's got after he came fishing on the coast. He's from Florida.
1: Yeah. And all he, these other guys are from Boston and from uh-huh. like, because they got the accents to match. Yeah, no. Give I, him a fucking I, I fishery. A very hat. What are you doing? I found it very distracting that they and I'm like, well, maybe he just liked it, because, like, because, because that's the thing. Here's, there's two people who wear John Deere hats,
0: mm-hmm.
1: fucking uh, suburbanites that are real proud of their goddamn green lawn mower. And and pay good money for it. Sure. And farmers shelling hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars out for a John Deere tractor that probably get a crate of hats when they buy as like thrown in yeah, as part yeah. of the deal. They're not like they're 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 not gonna pay to wear these goddamn hats. But if I buy a million dollar tractor, I'll take a few. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. No, no no shot do multiple multiple ships captains uh, out of this East Coast fishery wear. Ch- yeah wear farm implement hats it just no, I, I was it's like, as that's... out of place as if they were wearing nike hats right like yeah just, you
0: would wear a fishery
1: hat or not not or... Partici- like or, or like it just it, that's even like plausible that you're wearing nike but something like like yeezus like so, some kind sure, of kanye sure. label of converse something whatever yeah um yeah no i i thought that was just really funny <laughs> it was it's a weird note to start the movie on um, it's also really because, like, the movie gets in this, like, whole rhythm where you're just with these, you know, uh, these, these Gloucester men and women and they're in the bar and they're fucking and they're fighting and they're drinking and all this. And then, like, it just the movie smash cuts to Shooter McGavin, mm-hmm. you know, getting his makeup done at, like, a studio. And it's like, oh, fuck, right. This movie, like, I, every time I sit down and watch this movie, I completely forget that it's anything other than George Clooney and Marky Mark. I yeah. forget that, like, oh, God, there's a whole sailboat plot and there's the whole uh, Coast Guard plot, and which I think is extremely engrossing. Oh, uh, the the hurricane hunters, where there's these guys and these, like, big converted cargo military vessels that are, like, driving through hurricanes with instruments. So, like, this this is all insane behavior. That's but, like, crazy. all that's done in the movie, too. Yeah.
0: Oh, is that what that captain is? The,
1: the, the Oh, the I was talking about the... the uh no no no. No, he's just some dumb fuck that's going to Bermuda. Uh, I'm okay. talking about the guys that are there's like a coast guard vessel or maybe it's a NOAA vessel. Uh in the beginning like this big like again converted military cargo craft and it's just driving in the hurricane with instruments and that's what like I guess shooter is getting his data from. You didn't oh, there's like I It's that. just one scene where it's like these it's okay. like all this vast enterprise goes to study the ocean and like people are just You must be an adrenaline junkie of the highest order to do stuff like that. Right. I can see skydiving. There's some level of safety there, but there is no safety here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's like it's not, you know, they they mentioned at one point when they're like very low on fuel Mm -hmm. and they're going to have to do this. Like they they mentioned that like this is an increased risk profile. So it's like I think there's like a level of storm where the coast guard ships are just absolutely immune from and they're so well-trained. Like yeah, they're yeah. at no real danger. I got that. This was like one level of maybe two levels of your ass hanging over the line above that. Like uh-huh. obviously his helicopter could crash, could run out of fuel. Um, I yeah, thought there was a was... point where the, the captain of the coast guard vessel might be broaching his vessel to try to try to pick these guys up. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was, that, that was some of the most harrowing stuff is watching
0: the coast guard do their jobs. And, and that mid air refueling that they tried to do was terrifying. Um, and I, and I yeah. kept thinking like, well, there's, there's no way they can land this helicopter on the, the coast guard ship. That's, that's right. not possible in this storm. And even if uh, they did, it gets swept off the side immediately. Right. So what are they going to do? And I guess the solution is you just jump out of your helicopter and let it crash. I didn't see that coming, but it was the it was the inevitable outcome of this, right? Of missing your refueling, and not being able to get back yeah. to the
1: coast. Yeah, it's like I we can't get back to land. I cannot land on this little tiny boat, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, I guess like. Boat, I guess helicopters do land in these kind of conditions at sea on larger aircraft carriers and like destroyers and whatnot when <sighs> they're doing anti submarine warfare. And it's like, yeah, they have to time like the boats going up and down 40, 50 feet. Yeah. They have to kind of like time it to where the boat is up. And then they just like that, that, that fucking, they, they describe it in a Tom Clancy book where the like the helicopter pilot essentially crashes. As soon as the as soon as the boat gets at the top of its if it's if it's a wave, it just essentially crashes onto that thing and uh-huh. uses the, the 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 rotor wash to pin the helicopter to the deck until they get it settled. It's it's fucking insane.
0: do, do they do they then like clamp it down? How do they, how do they secure yeah, the helicopter they, to they, the deck? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Once once it's okay. on there, then they would yeah, probably steal cables and stuff. Just, um got gotcha. it to the deck. But Wild. It's pretty pretty harrowing shit. Um yeah. Did you notice what was playing on the back of the TV in the background in some of these shots? Pale Rider, and I would not have recognized it odds? a week ago. Yeah. I know. I'd be like, well, that's one of those Clint Eastwood films, but it's it's immediately recognizable as the Pale Rider. Uh-huh. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, uh, there's, also, there's also. Oh, go ahead. I, I was
0: going to say, I, I, going to the beginning of this movie, um, you know, we're we're just getting set up, right? And there's a lot of loving shots of the fishing industry at the beginning, and we go to City Hall, right. and you've got. This list of names i I think I don't know what they're trying to do here because they don't actually tell you what this list of names is in this shot they they actually never tell you what the list of names is they let you infer it but it's not really possible to infer at the beginning are they trying to preserve some surprise for what happens to the Andrea Gale by just showing you a list of names of okay maybe these are fishermen who you know have have done an especially good job, brought it in the biggest haul for that year, right? Who knows,
1: but it I becomes guess apparent I've been it's, enough, it's lost fishermen. Uh, enough old fishing towns that I just have seen these and I knew what it was. It's like if you had opened on in a Vietnam movie, huh. opened that like an old guy leaning against the the wall of all the names, like they wouldn't have to explain what that is, like. But but I guess hmm. I just knew that that all the towns, you know, I've seen them on Beaver Island, I've seen them when I go out to. Uh, to various <laughs> Middle, East, Middle Eastern Middle uh, Eastern, various uh, New England towns, fishing towns. I've been through. Like, yeah, okay. I, I guess I just kind of. I, 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 is is that enough of a thing that they don't have to establish it? It's like it wasn't because I, I, I got it's like the and I think I got this when I was watching this contemporaneously because I, I was like you, I didn't know the story, I didn't know the details, and gotcha. I assumed and we're in a spoiler section now. Mm-hmm. I assumed that like. George Clooney and Marky Mark were going to win. They were going I, I to get so. by the skin of the teeth. Like, yeah. You know, um, and I, this was one of those movies where it's like, uh, when I saw Braveheart for the first time, I think Braveheart's the first movie where the good guys didn't win. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you got kind of like, got that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach going out of the, the movie theater. <laughs> But I I think it's supposed to make you think of, like, how dangerous, you know, it's like it's it's fishing. It's a way of these people's life. It's baked in their DNA. And it's also incredibly inherently dangerous. And Mm -hmm. there's some years where dozens and dozens of people, probably a big, you know, wreck of the what is that the edmund fitzgerald or whatever like one of those things goes down and takes out 20 30 people and then some years just got hardly any but there's almost never a year that no one dies right I thought that was interesting too yeah sometimes it's hundreds i mean back in the day oh yeah it's it's crazy how many people would die doing this stuff like a passenger ship goes down and you know and you go through all the different wars and, and and they they Do
0: some interesting stuff to show you just how dangerous this job is, even without crazy weather, right? Like that hook that goes through John C. Riley's hand, it pulls him off the back of the boat and underwater is, I I mean, watching Deadliest Catch, I see this all the time, right? Like you're climbing ice covered crab pots, 40 feet high that you're trying to unlatch so you can get them down and throw them in the ocean. And and the wind and the waves are going. You could fall off that. You could crack your head on the boat. You could fall overboard and then never find you. There's a million different ways to die during this uh,
1: voyage. They did a pretty good job conveying that. I thought that was true. And and that's the that's what I was going to say, actually, um, is like they it's the heroism is not just for the Coast Guard people like there is a lot Uh of people to take charge. And I think that's something that's a part of like boating, you know, like. I guess, boat or naval culture mm-hmm. is that, like, nobody else is going to save your ass out here. Like, it's a big thing to help other people. So, like, even these guys that hated each other when one of them gets carried off the deck, it's like that guy didn't even hesitate. Yeah. And it, it, they even said when it's like, oh, it's, I, you do it for me, that's what they're supposed to say, right? But, like, it's true. Like, I think if, they're, uh-huh. if you know, like, and then, I don't know, John C. Wright is talking a big game about, like, oh, accidents out here happen all the time. and But I think you just have to be pretty fucking cold blooded, but mm-hmm. it's also, they take another five minutes, five seconds to notice this guy's gone and he's probably dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that's a great
0: scene. Um, and, and I like the aftermath of it too. The, the like two guys who are hotheads who are angry at each other. One of them just saved your life. You got, you got to thank him somehow, but you're still mad. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's a nice moment. It's not it's not overplayed.
1: So I was trying to say, trying to articulate without spoiling it is like I I'm always amazed at how they make me care about these guys personal struggles. And, you know, like Marky Mark getting a house with uh, the ever, you know, Diane Lane. Oh, it's been said. She's pretty cute. All right. Uh, setting up a new shop yeah. with her and all that. It's like, oh, and then they just all fucking die. <laughs> yeah. No, John C. Riley. <laughs> You're always, you're never going to be a better dad. Uh, yeah, you your 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 whatever your vaguely felonious ways will never be understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierre, you fuck boy. Uh, like that, <laughs> Bugsy, just, you're never going to get yeah, laid. Sorry, you're never going to get laid. Irene's going to go home uh, lonely, and they're just all going to die at the end of this movie. But I thought, they, I, I thought they overplayed the
0: Bugsy stuff a little bit. Like I. I, I was not That's I was
1: the cringiest part
0: yeah I, I mean I like how that that relationship develops it feels it it feels desperate and weird enough um that it might just From be a thing both of
1: their angle uh-huh yeah
0: yeah you've, you've got this woman who clearly has has suffered a little bit of her her own she's not uh she she's got two kids and she's a single mother and like you could tell she's you know she's got her one night out and then here comes Bugsy and is annoying her and then like kind of hit it off a little bit in a weird way I like that but they didn't really sell me on like she's going to be all broken up when he doesn't come back from this journey no
1: no I it's it's I think it is him like because like I I I think they could have done a better job establishing that he was actually lonely and not just horny because, yeah. like, I kept on going, but, yeah. like, does, is he... Yeah, I think yeah. that they landed on him. He just is appreciative. But, like, it felt like an act of desperation, him going to hit on Irene. And vice versa, when she looks at him, is like, oh, Jesus Christ. Is this what I've come to? Uh-huh. That, like, I'm going to, you know, take a shine to this obvious hornball who just wants to hump me. Like, <laughs> and then suddenly it turned into, like, an on- or earnest and rel- I'm like, I don't know, movie. There's... There's lots of guys with lots of reasons to, like, come back home for tragic. But, like, do I need him to hook up with... Well, fail to hook up with some rando right before he goes out so that he can talk about, you know, oh, I hope I get back home to date Eileen or Irene. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't know if we needed that. I agree. We had so many other
0: more poignant things. That, that John C. Riley stuff with his kid, that really got
1: me. That That was that's the thing the that was most really affecting effective. yeah part of the entire yeah, movie At the end when they he's he's knows for a fact he's gonna die and the last thing he says with his literal last breath is this is gonna be real hard on my little boy i got yeah it got pretty fucking dusty because that is such a matter of fact true uh, statement right uh and the, the for that to be the last thing going through your head as you're dying jesus christ and it's 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 so sweet too, right? Because that, that is
0: the last yeah. thing he's not thinking about. He's not fearing his own death. He's just sad for what this is going to do to his son. It's, yeah, it's super sad. And he's such a lovable character throughout this. Mm-hmm. He's he's just this big lovable, not doofus. He's he's not a doofus mm-hmm. in this movie, but he is. No. He's
1: that archetype, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can see why he's not married to his wife no more. And, you know, his little boy hasn't yeah, got the memo that he's a loser. That relationship. Ma- yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't think he is a loser. I,
0: I, here's the thing I don't think he is a loser. No, you're I think right. It's just he's that he has a job that takes him away from his family constantly and puts so much stress on that relationship, it couldn't, it couldn't coexist.
1: Yeah. Financial stress, emotional stress, mm-hmm. just being gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and yet, you know his dad, his his boy probably worships the kid. The, the you know right, uh,
0: yeah. Once go you know, out with him, he
1: star for dad attention. That's probably got to be annoying to mom too. Yeah, no, they did. They, they that's the best thing in in the movie. Like I I I, I thought the Diane Lane Marky Mark stuff is just. Like, that's just such a dysfunctional, oh, shitty relationship. And we got to talk, about you know, this. the the mom's involved with it, too. And I'm just like, oh, this is so gross. I don't like any part of this. Yeah. So it's Mark Wahlberg's mom, right? Um, that owns
0: the bar. Oh, does she own the bar? OK, does she own the bar? Because aren't
1: they living they're in the living, basement of it?
0: Yeah, they're living somewhere in that bar. And th- that's the crazy thing to me. So so. They, they portray Marky Mark as kind of a stand-up guy in this movie, right? He's like got this new relationship that he's all hot about. She's got kids that have been like custody that it has it maybe been lost in her. the divorce.
1: It, a th- woman has in 1991 has, has a state of party <laughs> right, has looked right. in there and been like, you know what? Uh, we're taking these kids. That's So not- she must be a real train wreck. I, I don't know. But- well, I mean, there's, there's definitely dudes that you know, maybe she had a, a lawyer boyfriend that abused the legal system. But like, yeah, yeah, it, I did. It, I, it, there's there's <laughs> a, that's messy. That's messy. Sure. But I get the impression like
0: this relationship is not it is pretty new um, based on, you know, how hot and heavy it is. And Marky Mark is out there trying to earn money to pay for her divorce lawyer so she can get her kids back.
1: Also, and he, he can get married to her, too, because and so they can technically get married she's still married to the other guy. Yeah. And
0: then she goes behind his back and buys a fucking house while this mm-hmm. man is out on the sea trying to scrounge together enough pocket change to pay for her divorce lawyer. Right. You're right. A, In Florida? how? How did that yeah, happen? Yeah, yeah, How does she have enough money to go buy a house? And B, yeah. why would she do this to that man? He's working as I hard as know. he can, risking his life to get her... Kids back, and she's out there just spending all the money to try and set up a life it, without
1: their kids. I don't know. I don't know. Is she Dude, just that's, like that's everything? The, thing, the I, divorce lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's just start fresh. I'm like, don't you have kids, right? Wait, I. Yeah, no. That there was some strange, <laughs> and then like you know, the next day, you know, she's she's apparently hit him. He's got a black eye. Both of them are so black. I'm like, oh god, this is just. I thought they I, fucked so hard that he got
0: a black eye. Am I wrong? About I don't that?
1: think so. I think she's no. infuriated that he's going back out. So it was a fighting, fucking kind of thing, and it's okay. just uh, with with alcohol fueled on top of that. Just no, no it's a mess. No, no, he no. talks about her ass I,
0: like oh, I didn't forget your ass, and I'm like, <laughs> wait. So did her ass hit
1: you in the eye? What What happened? Yeah, I don't know. And then his mom's essentially Ma for Telly from The Goonies. Uh huh. Like yeah, it's my sweet boy, and you're the one, you the one for him, sweetheart. Let me tell. <laughs> and she's smoking three packs of Marlboros. Everyone in this movie drinks and smokes. Like it's like oh, every yeah. time they go back to like this bar, it's everyone's just drinking and smoking. Oh, what about uh, the uh, salty dog at the bar, Quentin?
0: Yeah, Is uh, that a
1: Jaws reference to Quint? I was wondering about that. Yeah. Because he Cause is he kind of the salty dog. Yeah, yeah. I kept on expecting him to be like, oh, I was at the Flemish Cap one year. <laughs> oh, the weather's so <laughs> dirty. Yeah. And I,
0: he, he starts in on that. And then the bartender's like, oh, he's just talking, right,
1: Quentin? Yeah. Yeah. Stop scaring Diane Lane.
0: Right. But he knows he's been there before. He's talking about back in the 60s, what they used to do. And yeah, that's where the fish are that's where the weather is
1: too that's where the weather is but you're a goddamn sword boat captain you know all this
0: is there anybody else you got uh, Sully who uh, yeah he's, he's another salty dog right I knew there had to be at least one because I saw the relationship between this crew and I was like oh everybody's getting along everybody's fairly happy you know even though they brought in almost no fish where is the drama going to come from and then you go meet Sully right because because yeah. one of the one of the crew decided not to renew their not to take their place on the boat um, anymore, and so they had to get somebody else. And Sully apparently worked for them at one point, but
1: got kicked off the crew maybe because he was so salty. They described him as a lubber, which like oh. I wonder if he actually he's just a friend of George Clooney and he's like hey I'm just really hard up because like George Clooney's got yeah. this bluster of like hey you you don't want your spots uh your replacement's a phone call away I think he's bluffing out of his ass like he's down yeah. you know he's not lucky Billy here he's uh, kind of unlucky and yeah who's gonna go I out at this, was, this point in the season on a boat that hasn't caught any fish right 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 um but I don't know. I think I think uh Billy Fitchner is like is built to play these type of roles. Oh, he's yeah. really good at uh you know, stern, unconventional military guys with like a wild streak or like a gang, mm-hmm. you know, mob, you know, uh, mob. Doesn't he play the yeah, he's like the the bank manager of the mob's bank in the dark knight. He does a lot of stuff like oh, that. Right. Uh yeah.
0: Much more a straight-laced military guy in Armageddon. Yep, very much so. Doesn't doesn't really have that wild streak. He, although he is the guy who brought a gun to space, right? True. Like, doesn't he try and True. shoot a
1: nuclear bomb at some point? <laughs> I don't know. Were he we, tries to are shoot you, a person you... who's trying to disarm a nuclear bomb. Because, like, I, man, I, that all blurs together with um, Vigo Mortensen in Abyss. Or wait, is it it's no, no, it's it's Michael Bain and abyss yeah, the, the, yeah. The guy yeah, like I those those two plots all get all uh jumbled up in my head. I don't have much no, more to say about this film. It's good, it's not too long. it's just over two hours. uh, it's fairly gripping, you know. Uh, some some movies, it's harder to keep my eyes on the screen and, and not to wander. But this movie, it's like once, you know, for a, pretty much from its opening jump, I was I was engrossed. And I know it's a 47 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's an 87 percent in my heart. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause.
0: And now back with more Bald Move. Uh, I, I mean, I
1: guess do you want to talk about how they did the effects? Cause this was an I, yeah. Where, like, tell me because I didn't get a chance to look into that. I was more of like what really happened and what people's opinions are. So, yeah, I I whatever they did seemed real as hell. Yeah, no, they look great. Um, ILM claims that this is the first film to
0: blend real water and CGI water effects, hmm. which surprised me. But they did a lot of work behind the scenes, like custom work to make this look as good as it
1: does. Cause there's, and this is 2000. This is uh, a long one, fucking time ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, we had stuff. We, we had some pretty good CG technology, but getting it all to match up seemed really hard. Right. right.
1: So, so what Probably they did, it did helps is when it's night and it's bl- driving, it, it, wind, blinding rain, but, but when yeah. you can't see most of the time. Yeah.
0: Um, so, so they took like the biggest lot they had. I, I think at Warner brothers is that who made this, uh, they took the biggest lot they had, um, or soundstage rather, and they built inside the soundstage a tank um, that was like I, I don't know, it was long enough to realistically house a real life-sized boat on a set of gimbals that could like you know rock it back and forth um, and do all kinds of things. Actually, it could spin 360, could do a whole bunch of stuff, um, and they put green screen backgrounds or sorry, blue screen at the time backgrounds behind all that and so you had like a tank of water that they could fill to just get you kind of the surface chop but they couldn't do like big waves on this thing there was no they didn't have equipment for it and there was a room to make big waves Um, and so the way that they like simulated all this is they would put the big waves kind of up in the background digitally uh, in post-production but they would they, they had these special ramps that they built where they dropped t- huge amounts of water out of the ceiling, of uh, out of the top of this building and kind of ramped it up and over this thing that would intentionally like break the
1: wave and, uh, and just kind of like... Make it look like it's hitting the bow
0: and... Yeah, and just wash over that boat um, in a really interesting way. And then they would combine that with CG effects to make it look like a wave had hit them and was breaking over the top of them, which was... Wild. I mean, when you see it in action, it's it's crazy. Just huge amounts of water coming down ramps and just spraying right at this boat. And they had massive, you know, special sprayers where they could just spray mist and stuff um, to, and really like wide jets of it. Uh, apparently they created a lot of like digital uh, plugins for like Maya custom plugins, um, where they they could simulate eighty different states of the ocean um, from like completely calm up to the perfect storm. And then they could just kind of drop in a CG boat and it would automatically simulate all the movement for them. Cool. Which I thought was cool. And back then was like crazy technology. Yeah. Nowadays we,
1: yeah, we, everything we do that on a Wednesday, right? So fucking realistic. Like the way the coast guard cutter moved, the way the sailboat like flipped over the way the, uh, Andrea Gale flipped over ass over tea kettle, going up that near vertical wave, like all that stuff just looks so yeah. fucking solid.
0: The I, guy's I, like,
1: like I, I thought the really impressive part is like when the helicopter disappeared, I you think it crashed oh, yeah. or something, but it's actually just in a trough of the next wave over because uh-huh. these are like six story office buildings rolling through, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Fuck.
0: It's, it's incredible because I, I hear like 20, 30 foot waves and I'm like, wow, those are big ass waves. And then I realize these are three times that three four yeah. times that size of wave yeah like what what boat i mean an aircraft carrier could that i could that the, withstand the sailing this books, kind of sea
1: i, I don't i mean yeah like without yeah I, I imagine an aircraft carrier could take about anything but like yeah. uh you know, it's like I, I read these sailing books from the, you know, the early 1800s. And uh, there's I guess these frigates would when you get these 50, 60 foot waves that you would actually be becalmed. You would slide down one wave, get into the trough of the other, and the wind is just blowing over your sails. So you're just kind of sitting there until the uh, wave picks you back up so your sails can catch. You. It's, just, it's just terrifying because, you know, you lose your steering. You go sideways to the wave and you're dead. You're dead. Yeah, you get broadsided. They several times
0: they go broadside to the waves here, and they talk. They they let you know how dangerous that is. That's sure. when you like that capsize. one, like
1: just turning around to going home was an event, like uh-huh. that could have you know because that's <laughs> necessarily you have to turn yourself broadway. So that's at one point, and it's this whole coordinated thing, and
0: yeah, and it cracks me up every time I, I see them. I see Clooney like grabbing the throttle and pressing it up as hard as he can and grunting and straining against it as if this is some kind of like look man you push the throttle forward I know you can grunt and strain on the wheel but the throttle (laughs) come on but
1: you would absolutely do that right like you know body I use body English on video game controllers (laughs) I've been known to try to peek around my monitor to get it like I'd absolutely be willing the boat you know like ahead, right Yeah, the other thing I found out watching that Sea Hunters
0: episode, which I will say, spoiler alert for Sea Hunters Season 1, Episode 13, they do not find the Andrea Gale. They try to. They think they've, they use like a magnetroscopy. I I don't know, whatever it's called, where you shoot a magnet from a plane that's flying overhead and you can detect like pieces of metal on Mm -hmm. the bottom of the ocean. And they narrowed it down to like three potential sites and they go investigate one. They find a fishing net down there with something magnetic in it, some piece of metal in it. Uh, but they're unable to continue to search. Um, I, I don't know. I guess they run out of budget for that episode or something. They, they just, a Marky Mark, ran them off. Yeah. Um, so they don't find it. But uh, one of the things in that episode that they talk about is how underpowered these boats are. Because these boats Mm. are designed to be super economical. So you've got an engine that is made for a much smaller boat so it can be more efficient and and use less fuel to get you way, way out into the ocean and stay out there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're coming back with thousands of pounds of fish, right? Tens of thousands of pounds of fish. So when you're coming back from your trip, like they were here, your engines are going to be even less effective. And they're just not built.
1: For like power turns on on seventy foot waves or anything. No, yeah, it requires a. I, they did sell that it requires a good deal of, deal of skill and just kind of like intuition about what your boat can take to take it. You know, even as far yeah. as you get. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't
0: know. I I really I felt like I learned a lot uh from this movie about fishing. Um, and sure. I I. Thought it was a pretty good movie. I, you know, it's. I don't think it deserves 46 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, though. I can see
1: it. For me, it was higher. It was better than that. This movie has a weird personal connection to us, which I would be disappointed if we got through the yes, podcast please. about. this great. So this predate Bald move. <sighs> uh huh. I don't know why, but something that you do is every once in a while you you start you'll write a script for a comedy show or something as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, you had written the script about yo, you know, what what was it? It's like you're essentially your work, your work.
0: The place, like a yeah. fictionalized so version of
1: a place you worked, and fictionalized version of who the people you worked with, and all, you know. Yeah, this was inspired by.
0: Oh, what show was it? that inspired this? Like, I mean, the office inspired a lot of this stuff. Right. Um, But I I worked in a very small IT IT department. IT crowd. Yeah. That was the one uh, that really inspired this. Yes. um, I worked in a little IT office with like three employees in the department. uh, And we got up to all kinds of shenanigans. Like my, of course, my roommate at the time also um, was, was effectively my boss there, the, the manager of the IT department. And he would, you know, just watch, movies all day and it was like it, it was three very young people like less than 25 years old uh, running this whole thing so you can imagine their shenanigans and yeah I was writing a script about it and part of that script included a reference to this movie where I had never seen the movie, right? So, I I just, like, made some shit up about what goes on in this movie. And I said something about, like, the part of the movie where George Clooney takes a shit off the bow to kill the sea monster. Yeah. And that yeah. line has stuck with us. That line has ended up in, now, this podcast. But I think, but a couple I think of we've things referenced we've
1: a few podcasts. And it's one of those things where we occasionally will drop deep lore that we've never that, that predates the podcast, and sometimes we don't bother to explain it. And I'm sure, sure. that like maybe three or four times in the entire strip bald move, we've anytime the perfect storm comes up, we will say something like, hey, isn't that the one where George Clooney kills the sea monster by taking his shit off the starboard bow? Uh-huh. And I don't know why that it's that's just so fuck it's so funny. It's so funny. It's,
0: you know, it made it into didn't this make it into our never completed a card game. The society
1: did it. I want to say it was one of the cards. It could have been. Uh, I don't know how it would have interfaced in with this other project that we did, but I I wouldn't put it past me either, but But, yeah, yeah, it's uh, shown up several
0: places. So so that's your explanation.
1: And you finally seen the movie and were you disappointed oh, yeah. to see that George Clooney did not take any shits? Uh, there was no mon. <laughs> Although I actually giggled when she said she's screaming, like, you know, because she, she sees the report that they haven't seen yet because their antenna is down and she's screaming, Billy! No, don't go there. You're headed right into the monster. <laughs> and I, I was like, I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah. well, he's gonna have to get have to take his pants down. Uh-huh. I hope he's had plenty of chowder. <laughs> yeah. I thought it's like, um that's that's the other, I guess, a final thought I had. I want to complete more completely that you mentioned that like they make Billy out to be the a villain. If anything, they make them their financial backer out to be the villain because if you want to talk about proximate causes, mm-hmm. if he had just maintained the ice machine properly, these guys all make it back loaded. The, the reason they have to You're like right. take this crazy chance in the first place is because they have to make a choice. And they're talking about it's like, going to be like 10 grand a piece, mm-hmm. 20 grand for Clooney. They either let all this rot or they drive through the storm, which they think is just a regular storm yeah, yeah. Uh, to get to port. So it's like, I feel like I, it's hard for me to judge, even as portrayed in this movie, George Clooney as like some kind of villainous. He's like the He's like the mayor of Amityville uh, <laughs> in Jaws. Right. No, no, it's not like the at spice all. must flow. Like, uh, and, and then they, they give it up, you know, too late when they realize what they're up against. But they do. You know, they're, they're not so crazy. that They're, they're going to really risk their lives. They're taking the calculated risk versus an unmanaged one, I guess.
0: Yeah, and the redeeming thing here is that he also asks his crew what they want to do, and yeah, I, I think he puts his thumb on that scale a little bit. But little bit, th- they could say no, we don't, we don't want to go home right now. We don't want to risk our mm-hmm. lives to get home with this money. But they don't. They say the opposite. So yeah, he's he's not a huge villain. I, I just feel like when you're talking about real life people and trying to put motives into them um, in a fictional setting, I. Yeah, it's tough because because we don't know, like we we have like a radio communication from them at their at their last known location, like somewhere near Sable Island. But mm-hmm. then you don't know where he went. You, the people think like he was heading for Nova Scotia to try and uh, just get to any port he could, the nearest port. Um, but it's hard to say. And so like everything past a certain point of this is super fictionalized.
1: Just guesses. And I guess they also sexed up the storm. Like, this storm uh, was, in fact, the merger of these three other storm systems, and it did intensify suddenly. But this was not, like, a Category 5 hurricane. Right, This was solidly in. And that's the other thing that that I thought was wild is that uh, when they're doing... Like, this was kind of well within this ship and cruise capability, what they actually went through. Huh. And I wondered if they showed these rogue waves earlier in the film to suggest that like, because they mentioned in the Wikipedia article that like, these were like 30 to 40 foot seas, which would be terrifying in like a <laughs> sailboat. Oh yeah. But on like a 75 foot, 80 foot steel hull shipping, you know, fishing vessel, not, not, not that big a deal. Uh, but they said that like, there's a wave sensor at, in the same region of ocean that did have a, like one spike of a hundred feet. Oh, boy! well, if your fishing boat hits that, then, you know, on top of everything else. And that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like where blue water, anything scares the shit out of me unless I was in like a 600 foot shipping vessel <laughs> is because those those rogue waves are fucking real. And you can be you can look at the weather. You can do it like squalls will, can come up. There's um like increasingly for like, you know, people like, uh, you know, in, in sailboats trying to cross. Uh, the ocean uh, like shipping containers are super dangerous like uh, like Robert Redford hit in uh, hmm. all is lost like these things are just floating they're like level at the water they're steel boxes and you slam into one at 11 knots and just gouge a hole in your fiberglass hole and now what are you going to do yeah. You're three three thousand feet from the shore and or, so like there's there's like it's just this even in the 21st century with GPS and with all this crazy technology that we got it is still, it is still a non-negligible risk to go out onto the ocean. Oh, yeah. I think that's kind of incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I'm. So, so they mentioned the rogue waves in this, right? They they get hit yeah. by a rogue wave, kind of broadside at one point. It doesn't, it doesn't destroy their boat, though. I kept yeah. expecting for the thing that took them down to be a rogue wave,
1: but it wasn't. wasn't. I thought it's just I a gigantic one, right? I yeah, but I thought that, is that was like a rogue like, wave. Because it, what is a rogue wave defined as? I thought a rogue wave was something that comes out of nowhere
0: and hits you from a direction you couldn't have expected.
1: So I guess a rogue wave is defined as a wave whose height is more than twice the significant wave height, which is the mean of the largest. Uh, third of waves in a wave right Because, you know, waves like okay. kind of like, for whatever reason, come in like threes and whatnot. So, like, I guess hmm. if it's just like if you're doing 30, 40 foot seas and suddenly you get a 60, 70 foot wave, that would be a rogue wave. Okay. That makes way more sense then. Yeah. So it was a rogue wave that so took them out. Yeah. I think so. They just um, they hit, it and it's anyone's on. guess because, like you you mentioned, after that transmission that they they show in the movie, like right. we have absolutely no fucking clue where they at, what they're doing, what they tried to do, what their last moments were. Yeah, there's absolutely no hint. So, so as plausible as any, especially since it seems like they should have been able to make it through. So either something mechanic, because that's the other thing. If you're engine, you have engine trouble in a storm like this, you're also fucked because mm-hmm. surviving these waves is very much depending on you keeping. Your bow pointed in a right direction and not getting swamped and tumbled. But uh
0: and you gotta. Am I correct in thinking that you also have to like climb these waves before they break? I I know most waves don't break at sea,
1: but like if a wave is to, gonna break, the, you don't want to have it yeah. break over you. You don't want to get like what they call pooped, where like a <laughs> wave catches up to you and swamps you from behind. That's the worst thing other than getting hit broadside. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not like, no, 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 no. Um, Like, you, Hmm. the worst thing to do is be caught like broadside and just flip that way. But, like, yeah, getting, getting swamped in the back. Like, you can, like, it's, I was actually watching a TikTok of a guy who was on like a 40 foot fishing boat. And uh wasn't paying attention in heavy seas and was taking on water and he didn't realize and the boat was getting low and then he got swamped and that mm-hmm. thing like sank in forty five fifty seconds. Like his oh. guys like actively fishing, not knowing that there was real danger to like, oh fuck, get the lifeboat out and we're inflating it, and there goes the fucking boat, it's gone. <laughs> Jesus. It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, terrifying. I the hate to see scary, man. I hate the sea. No thank you. It's stuff like this because so, I've always had a dream of like, you know, I get that 30, 40, 35 footer, uh, sail it around the Great Lakes, sail it around the Caribbean, get real good and then sail it across the Atlantic. But that's what gives this. The movies like this give me pause because, like I said, you can check the weather reports all day, every day, and you take your life in your hands, even with all the GPS, all the radar, all the Internet, satellite, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help you if a 70 foot wave comes out of nowhere. And foxia, yeah. Anyway, the perfect storm, the perfect movie, probably not. Uh, I quite like it. All right, so uh, the next movie you're going to be doing is Backdraft. Another, uh, it's not exactly a disaster film, but it shares a lot of man versus nature, man versus fire. Uh, <laughs> I, it's been a while since I've seen this. I just talked to my brother who used to be a firefighter uh, a couple weekends ago about it, and it's like one of his favorite movies. So I'm oh, nice. curious to revisit it. I've never uh, seen it. Probably, probably a lot of firemen's favorite movies, right? There's not a lot of I movies bet. about firemen, you mm-hmm. know, like just about firemen. Um, so I'm I'm curious to to see that. Uh, of course, these are all movies that are selected from a, a panel of three movies that we present to our executive producers on Patreon each week. If you want to know more about how you can join the club and get ad-free feeds, bonus audio content, uh, video content, and help us shape the future of Bald Move content, uh, go to support.baldmove.com. We'll see you next week for Backdraft. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.